Hey, what's going on everybody and welcome back to the Out of Water podcast hosted by myself, Frankie. How are you doing? Um, This is actually a considerably earlier run of my podcast this week. Um, The reason being is I'm going to be working on a YouTube video um, next week. So it's going to make my time a little bit more scarce and I probably won't have time to roll out my usual podcast. So I thought, well, rather than just completely skip it, I thought I would do two technically this week to kind of make up for that so how you doing how you been i know it's only been a minute since we last spoke but i hope you're all doing well um as you can probably tell by my tone of voice um a little bit of a sad start to the podcast this week if you listened to the previous podcast you'd have heard me um speak on something that had really kind of resonated in my mind um it was about a missing girl named sarah everard who sadly disappeared on the way home from a friend's house over in London. Um, Since that kind of story broke, I've been completely obsessed with checking the news and checking my news feeds and checking my social media for any kind of updates that there might be. Um, And I'm sure that many of you are already aware that are already listening to this podcast that unfortunately the outcome's not looking so great. Um, Yeah, it's, it's left a really cloud of confusion in my head um i'm going to talk about it a little bit and i'm going to kind of add my two pennies to the pot for all that they're worth so sarah everard was at a friend's house um she decided to walk home i think the walk should have taken just under an hour um i assume she's taken this walk many a times before um perfectly fine perfectly happy perfectly safe and unfortunately on this occasion the poor lady didn't make it home Um, The news has since broke that a Metropolitan Police officer has been arrested um, uh, under the alleged um, charges of murder. At first he was um, arrested on suspicion of kidnap, and now that has since changed to being under arrest for murder, um, which is just mind-boggling, and there's so many questions from that one sentence alone. Um, Obviously, we have to say allegedly right now because nothing's been set in stone and we don't want to kind of victim people um, and label people that are obviously un- until until due course. But it's just sickening. It's really not sat well with me, the fact that this guy, this absolute monster of a man, if, if he does turn out to be um, guilty for this charge, was a police officer. Um, the one person that if she was walking home that night that she'd want to bump into in any kind of altercation sort of way would be the safety of an officer, a metropolitan police officer. But unfortunately, it seems that the monster was hidden behind his badge and it doesn't sit right with me. Um, There's been a massive outcry since. There's been so many many outlets and so many people venting their frustrations. Um, As of right now, we don't know if the... The, they've basically found remains in a woodland and they're they're leaning towards the way of it being possibly unfortunately the sad remains of Sarah um it's not set in stone we are waiting for official confirmation um but it's left people with a lot of questions myself included and I've just got this horrible feeling about how this is going to roll out and um there's been a massive outcry on social media um about women's safety it's just so sad it's so sad on so many flipping levels 
anyone, any human on this world should feel safe enough to walk about their business and do their day and do their and, and socialize in however they see fit. There shouldn't be this horrible stigma attached to safety of females. Females should be safe. We shouldn't need to kind of say, oh, but don't go out after a certain time. And if you do, make sure you do this. And if you do, make sure you do that. Paramount. It should be paramount. Safety for every person that decides to go out should be paramount. We shouldn't be looking over our shoulder at these bastard monsters that do these things and just take innocent lives. Now, I know I'm jumping ahead of myself right here, but I've got a horrible feeling, an absolutely horrible feeling, that if this story turns out to be true and this police officer is charged for murder, I have got this horrible gut feeling that he would have flashed his badge and used that as kind of a safety net almost. For, you, you can trust me, I'm a police officer. I know I'm jumping ahead of myself then. I've got to watch what I say because I don't want to kind of make things up in the story that the media are good at making things up anyway but this story is just really not set well with me and it's left me feeling very very sickened and very very saddened that a life has been lost and unfortunately it isn't the first time something like this has happened and of course it's most certainly not going to be the last unfortunately there's some real bastards out there some real evil monsters that are just wired differently to the majority of us um and yet, I can't help but find myself refreshing the media, refreshing the news, just waiting on a small, tiny glimmer of hope that this is all wrong and this is not not right. My brain just can't, I can't function it. It's crazy. It's absolutely diabolically crazy and I can't digest the information we're being fed. Just the whole idea that if this turns out to be the case, this is a police officer. This is meant to be someone that we run to for help, not run away from. It's the most messed up situation ever. It really is. It's disgusting. And uh, my sincerest my sincerest and deepest condolences right now and love and support go out to all of those who knew Sarah Everard. It's a horrible situation. And I'm really sorry that you've all been thrown in this dark, deep pool like this. Um, it's disgusting. I just want to echo that off. Um, I, every time I, I, I tend to see things, I don't. I don't read the news. I don't. I don't read the news. So I think a lot of it is scaremongering, um, and I think a lot of it is fearmongering. And I don't, I don't like the approach how the media goes about things. We never just open the news, do we? And it's like today's a lovely day. Go and get it. Go and have a good day out there. The sun is shining in the sky. It's always dark and gloom. Um, but on this occasion, I have made the exception in the first time in nearly 10 years, I've actually started reading the news only, purely for this story as it sadly unfolds. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say. There's no easy way to close that subject. I just wish that this wasn't the way this world is. I wish that monsters like this didn't exist and I can't get my head in. I, don't, I suppose many of us can't, can't digest the situation very well at all. It really is sad. It really is a sad state of the times. And I just hope beyond all hope that something, somehow, positive comes out of this in the end. This this, this can't be left on a sombre note. This has to be a stepping stone in moving forward in the right direction to make things better and safer for all of us out there. Females in particular. It's a scary, scary world out there. And I'm terribly guilty of it. Um, my boy is my eldest out of my three. I feel this kind of... More, I feel, I feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I feel at peace, um, 
knowing that he can look after himself. He's a good lad. He's a smart lad. And um, I, I take a lot of peace in that. That he's he's a sensible boy. He's very very respectful. I teach him that way as well. But I feel I feel more at ease when he goes out with his friends. Whereas when my daughter, who's just at the age now where she wants to go out with her friends and she wants to go uh, to school by herself after me walking into school for all those years, um, I feel this massive sense of protection. Obviously, I protect my son as well. But when it comes to my girls, I'm extra protective, and it is because of the world that we're in. And it's a sad state of the times that we're in that. Um, I can relate as a parent and I can relate as a, as a, as a bloke. And I'm a, I'm a big bloke. I'm a big six foot whatever bloke with a big beard. And I I'm, I must come across as very intimidating. And I find myself just um, trying to make myself not look quite so intimidating. Especially if I'm walking down a street, let's say. And there's a young woman or an older woman walking down that street. I'll always try and greet them with a smile. And be like, hello. I'll always try and be polite and respectful. And I, don't, I can only imagine what they must be feeling in their head. And isn't it a sad state of the times if that that's the way that these things that are happening in our world are making people feel? Women don't feel safe out there. Isn't that sad? It's genuinely a sad feeling in my stomach that gives, that does. Knowing that some women out there, if not the majority of women are out there, kind of looking over their shoulder or feeling they need to look over their shoulder. Things need to change. Things need to change. I'm going to leave it at that. I could literally go on for ages about this. It's a sad state at the time. As you can clearly see, it's really hit a nerve with me. That that poor lady didn't deserve any of this. And unfortunately, I, I, I can't even digest it. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. So anyway, how are you guys this week? How have you all been? Um, I, know, I know it's only been a short time, like I said, since we last spoke. Um, but I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're all safe and I hope you're all well. Um, I guess this whole new life kind of leaf that I've kind of taken, uh, this more mindfulness me, um, I've been studying this for a while, but I've really stepped it up these past few months and I've really took my life a bit more, not more serious, I did take my life serious anyway, but I've been looking at things I've done in the past, things that I'm not proud of, and if I can change things, I've been changing them. And there's one particular thing that happened to me that I kind of want to talk about on the podcast. Now, I'm in two minds whether or not I should name the person I'm going to talk about. Because for one, I don't know if she'd appreciate being mentioned by name. Um, but then for two, I kind of feel like I kind of want to name her. So there's more of a chance that she might hear this. Um, so back in the day, back in my day, <laughs> when I was growing up, um, I was brought up around a lot of drinkers. And I mean this in the most respectful way possible. My granddad was a big drinker. Um, my uncle back in the day was a, quite a big drinker. My mum was a big drinker. Um, yeah, it was just like almost like the norm. It was probably how most people see their parents drinking tea and coffee. That's how I was brought up around alcohol. So I was introduced to alcohol quite easily, quite young on. So I was drinking fairly young in comparison. The thought of how young I actually was kind of scares me because I can't help but do that comparison thing where I kind of compare it to my own children, and I go, Jesus, when I was my boy's age, I had done this and I had done that. And I wasn't I wasn't a naughty boy, but I was a bit of a, a bit of a lovable rogue, shall we say. Um, never did anything criminal. Um, I just liked a jolly good drink and having a good laugh with my friends. Anyway, long story a bit shorter. Um, this one particular occasion, me and a couple of friends, I was the drunkest out of the, the group, as kind of was standard back in the day, unfortunately. Um... We decided to go 
to this kind of like recreational ground at the back of a park and just kick about there after a few beers. I say a few beers, it sounds all very civilised. I was absolutely rat arsed to be perfectly honest. I was very, very drunk. Uh, so much so that my best mate had to kind of like perk me up and kind of like, look, I'll look after you, come with me sort of a thing. Anyway, on approaching the park to where we were going... I was approached by a young woman about my age. Um, I can't recall very much of it myself. I do remember little bits, but I can't recall a lot of it. And basically what had happened is, um, yeah, so she approached me and she said, hello, you, I bet you don't remember who I am. And um, I was drunk and I was a bit rude. And I turned around to her and looked at her for a second in my kind of like beer goggles and just kind of went, I don't know who the fuck you are. And I said it quite bluntly as well. I was like, I don't know who the fuck you are. And I didn't mean it to sound so nasty. And I, I'm sure it would have been like, I don't know who the fucking hell you are. I'm sure it would have been much more messier and more drunk. But I didn't mean it to be so blunt and so cutthroat and so dry. But I was drunk. Um, I was rude. I was quite obnoxious with it. I don't quite know what was said then. But apparently there's a few words, nothing too crazy. And she got a little bit upset with me. And she, she off she went. Anyway, the next day my mate told me about this story. And I was like, what? And he was, do you know when you can't remember what you did? And he was reminding me about this story. And I was like, what was that? And he says, yeah, you were really rude to her. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. And I hated that because it wasn't who I was. I'm not. I'm a nice dude. Or at least I try to be a nice dude the majority of the time. I'm quite a happy-go-lucky sort of chap. Um, and it's just not who I am. Alcohol definitely back then made me into something I wasn't. It made me either a really crazy drunk where I was just crazy and quite funny or it made me dreadfully horrible um, and a bit grumpy. There was no middle ground with me. Anyway, so the story kind of started jigsawing together in my head. I generally start to remember bits and I was like, oh, I didn't do that. Oh, tell me I didn't. And my mate was like, you did, mate. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you didn't. I thought, and I said, who is it? And I couldn't, I don't know who it were. And we tried to work out who it was together. Anyway, he kind of jigsawed it. He says, oh, yeah, she was about your height, probably a bit shorter. Um, and basically described her to me. And I was like, oh, shit. And I says, did and I asked a few features. And he went, yeah, yeah, just like that. And I was like, oh, shit. I know who it was. And I felt so shit. And I was like, oh, God. And this is long before the days of social media. I mean, social media was out there. But it was nowhere like it is now. Actually, I don't even think social media was out then, actually. I really don't think it was. No, it wouldn't have been. Because Facebook was the first big one, wasn't it? And no, Facebook definitely wasn't about back then. Anyway, um, this is the part now where I kind of contemplate whether I mention this particular person. I'm going to. I'm going to name her. And I hope she doesn't mind if she ever does hear this. Her name was Shanine Stubbs. Um, and instantly, as soon as my friend described the person to me, it instantly kind of really... Oh, my, my stomach sank. Oh, and I was just like, oh, damn. I know who that was. And it was basically in junior school... I was not bullied, but I was I was the quiet kid in class. I kind of kept myself to myself. Um, I didn't really kind of interact with anybody. I had probably two friends on a good day that I kind of stuck around and everybody else. I just kind of kept out the way. I didn't want the conflict. So I was very, I, I was very retracted in school and I kept myself to myself. I wasn't the most... Um, I wasn't the most talkative kid. I just kept my head down, got my work done to the best of my ability. And that was about it. But in junior school, there was a friend who I made called Janine. Or Shanine, sorry, not Janine. It was Shanine Stubbs, sorry. Shanine, her name was. And she was lovely. She was just a genuinely nice soul. Um, a really nice person to 
to know and we kind of struck up a bit of a friendship in school and it was lovely and i really thought a lot of her um really did and so much so that i remember it so well when, when we left um i remember having this horrible feeling that damn what what, what school was she going to go to and i didn't have the courage to ever ask her where she was going to from there to kind of keep in contact and as things do life just kind of drifts apart and we didn't really keep up with each other we were kids and yeah, it was the first time. And I remember having a really good friendship with her in school. We just, we weren't like, we didn't hang about too much, but we just, we were just really friendly to each other. And uh, we did speak and she'd always kind of look out for me if I've got myself in a bit of a spot of bother. And um, yeah, she was just a genuinely nice person. A genuinely nice person. Um, and a friend, more importantly, she was a, she was a friend of mine. And I couldn't help but feel absolutely dreadful that the first meeting after however many years was happened to bump into each other and my first meeting was I don't even know where the fuck you are and I thought what an absolute prick and I couldn't help but beat myself up I gave myself such a hard time over it I was like you absolute melon you absolute prick of a stick what kind of thing to say to somebody I mean I can't take it back but after that years had gone by and Facebook became a thing and I tried to find Shanine Stubbs over on Facebook. Unfortunately, I couldn't find her. Um, I just wanted to apologise sincerely. She's probably completely forgot about it. But unfortunately, I can only assume she left that night with a horrible feeling in her stomach about me. And a really pissed off, disgruntled kind of reflection of who I wasn't, really. So if by some sheer miracle in the future um, you happen to hear this, uh, Shanine, I want to say... I sincerely apologise for being an absolute prick that night. I do remember you. It was just the drunken me didn't. But I do remember you. You were a very good friend to me. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry for being an absolute sausage wallet. What an absolute wally I was. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there. I've been wanting to talk about it for a little minute. And um, I just thought, you know what, I'll use today's podcast to do that. So, yeah, Shanine Stubbs, if you do happen to hear this, I hope life is treating you so well. And I hope you've got everything that you've wanted from life so far. And, yeah, I am genuinely sorry. And I hope you're doing great in life. Anyway, let's get off my chest. I'm re- I feel really good for doing that. So as we move on, what we're going to do this week, we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to look at the news. We're going to poke a bit of fun at the news, as we always jolly well do. And then we're going to have a look at some Agony Aunt stuff. We're going to do some Dear Debbie Downer stuff as well. So straight into the news this week. I'm going to jump straight in with the most wackiest of stories. Again, I don't read the stories. I just read the headlines. So we are literally reading this together for the first time. Um, uh, Okay, so the headline reads, You can now have sex with your iPad thanks to this new unique sex toy. Straight away, I'm bookmarking that bitch. Um, I can only assume this is going to be a dildo attachment or something that you can jolly off to your iPad with. Now, my confusion here is, why would you want to bonk your iPad, shall we say? You might catch a virus! Woohoo! <laughs> I just... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own jokes. That's the worst thing you can do. I just don't know why you'd want to bonk your ipad i'm trying to keep it not so sweary here uh, but anyway let's read it let's see let's see where this story takes us shall we so many of us have become inseparable from our smartphones and tablets not that much i don't think uh, but if you're looking to take your relationship to the next level you can actually fuck your ipad wow 
There we go then. Uh, sex toy. Oh, here we go. Sex toy brand Flashlight has now made this possible for some crazy reason or another. I'm with you, Mr. Article Writer. I am very much with you. Uh, the company this this week launched a flashlight launch pad, which allows users of. Wait there. Let me read this again. The company this week launched launches flashlight launch pad. What the fuck is a launch pad? A launch pad. What a thing, eh? Uh, which allows users of their flashlight-shaped vagina-like toys to plug it into the back of an iPad in order to fully immerse themselves in whatever they're watching. Fucking hellfire. Okay, there's going to be a picture of this, surely, isn't there? Uh, this gadget enables the user to enjoy the full flashlight experience while enjoying uh, the content on their iPad. Um, this can be used to watch porn or maybe use apps like FaceTime or Skype. Um, so is it for men then? Because it's the flashlight, isn't it? Now, I don't mean to be, I'm be very rude here and be quite vulgar. But surely, if you're bonking your equipment, shall we say, surely you don't want it moving if you're watching something on the screen. Where, where's, the, where's the logic in that? Like you're trying to watch a bit of filth on the iPad, but yet you're having to move the iPad for the toy to be effective. I don't know. I'm just, listen, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I don't know. I don't know how it's beneficial at all. But apparently it is. Um, where are we going from here then? Um, so the advert, I'm not watching the fucking advert, thank you very much, um, shows a man getting off with his girlfriend on a, what can only be presumed to be a Skype call. Uh, any partner's first reaction to this would be surely, why the hell are you fucking your iPad? I think it would be. That was mine. Uh, though, so the attachment is presumably aimed at men without a significant other. That's a bit of a bastard thing to say, isn't it? What happens if you're on a, on a work, um, working away from home and you fancy a little bit of knock-knock and you think, you know what? Don't, don't, don't assume, you bastards. It's a very rude thing to, to assume. I still don't kind of get the fascination with wanting to whack your tacker in a bloody iPad, but there we go. Anyway, the whole thing may seem like a parody, but the launch pad is official and it is launched now at £20. Wow, is there any pictures of it? I don't want to watch the fucking trailer. No fucking thank you. Oh, there is. That's a bit strange. Wow, that's quite the contraption. It's basically like an iPad case, and it's just got um, a bit like a cup holder, actually. <laughs> it's a bit like a cup holder at the back, so you can. I don't get the. I don't get the beneficial of that. I just like I said, it'd be moving. I'm, I'm leaving it there because I'm going to dig myself a really big hole. But yeah, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. But if you like that sort of thing and you're genuinely in love with your iPad, guess what? Go fuck it. <laughs> Right, next story. Uh, headline reads, um, oh my goodness, Jesus. Woman addicted to eating her own hair has giant hairball with a tail removed from her stomach. That's disgusting. A woman who was addicted to pulling out and eating her own hair has a giant hairball measuring 15 centimetres removed from her stomach according to a medical journal. The 38-year-old woman, I love how to give people their age, I love it, uh, was suffering from nausea, vomiting, I'm not fucking surprised, after an extremely swollen abdomen, 
uh, when she arrived at the hospital in the US. She had suffered dramatic weight loss, um, crunching cramps. Is that a thing? <laughs> What's the? Is that a thing? Crunching cramps. That sounds like an exercise. Um, and lost fifteen pounds over the previous eight months after she lose after she lost her appetite. I bet she didn't lose the fucking appetite for the air there, did she? Uh, the unnamed woman, I bet she's unnamed as well, the embarrassing git, was rushed into surgery where a giant hairball was... Oh, God, Jesus, making me feel sick. If there's any pictures, I'm running. Oh, Jesus. Where a giant hairball was found lodged in... I can't even read this. Why am I so weird? Lodged in her digestive tract with a small... Oh, a small tail... <coughs> a small tail of hair trailing inside of it intestines right i'm done with that one i'm literally gonna be sick i can't even i mean my brain's doing that thing where it's putting it together i might but no i won't be better with pictures <laughs> i won't be better with pictures why would you do that listen why would you eat it i can get the twiddling it out and pulling the odd hair out every now and again i've done that with my beard I like, I like fondle the old beard. I find a bit of a, a crazy head that's got a little bit of a knot in. I grab that fucking knot and I yank it out my face. Not quite as much anymore because it does cause problems. But I have done it in the past. Never, never in my life have I looked at it and gone, hmm, tasty. And like wanted to eat it. Never. Why eat it? That's the problem here. Pluck to your heart's content. Pluck till you can't pluck no more. Don't fucking eat it. Jesus, you crazy woman. Ugh! Oh, God. I need to shake that one off. Right. Next story. Are you ready? Whew, swiftly bloody moving on. Uh, Parrot returns to British owner speaking fluent Spanish for four years after he disappeared. <laughs> Sounds like a story, like a children's book. Um, a very British pet parrot. I'm a bit... Can I just actually go back there? Fluent Spanish. So that means you can hold a conversation with him, doesn't it? Maybe not fluent. Maybe he's just saying a few Spanish words after his trip abroad. Anyway, a very British pet parrot named Nigel, what a lovely name, has been reunited with his owner after disappearing four years ago. But he now speaks Spanish. Oh, I see the way you've scrubbed out the fluent there. Look, just speaks a bit of Spanish. Nigel, a great African parrot, flew away from his home in California in 2010. Why is he... Why are they calling him a very British parrot, then? I don't know. That's, that's confused me. Oh, no, here we go. Nigel, a great African parrot, flew away from his home in California in 2010, but was re returned was returned to his British owner. Oh, it was a Brit that owned him. Darren Chick. What a name. After he was discovered in Torrance, Torrance in California, IA. Um, although the Spanish-speaking bird uh, bit Mr. Chick when he first saw him, the happy owner said, he's doing perfect. That's what he said. That's a quote from what he said as well. Mr. Chick said the bird's British accent is now gone and replaced by fluent Spanish. The fluent's back up. And someone called Larry. <laughs> what? Is the parrot going, Larry? Larry? What? Please elaborate, because it doesn't say anything else after that. It just says, Mr. Chick says that his bird's British accent is now gone and has been replaced by fluent Spanish and someone called Larry. Does he mean that the, the parrot came back with another man? 
called Larry? Or has the parrot changed his name to Larry? Or has the parrot just got this crazy tick where it's just going, Larry! Larry! <laughs> you can't just leave me like that, news article. You've got to give me some more answers. It doesn't give me no more answers. It just goes on about... He was the happiest bird while he lived with me. He was singing and he was singing and dancing and talking out of control. He was barking like the dogs do as well. Is this guy a bit mad? <laughs> Is that making any sense? I want I need elaboration on Larry. Alright? Was the bird not happy being called Nigel? And he looked at himself in the mirror and thought, I'd have never been a Nigel. I've always been a Larry. <laughs> I don't know. You can't leave me like that. It just, no, it does. It gives me nothing. It gives me absolutely nothing. I'm going to, in my own personal time, I'm going to Google this. I need more answers to this Larry story. But yeah, a bird buggered off, come back, and apparently starts shouting Larry at everything now and barks like a dog. Take that out, you will. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is just bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Right, we're going to move on to the Agony Aunt stuff now. That was just, left it on a bit of a cliffhanger for me, that one did. So, if you're new to the podcast, what we do each week is we have a bit of a read on some Agony Aunt letters. Um, here in the UK, Agony Aunt seems to be a big thing. I don't quite know why, if I'm honest. It's a bit like talking common sense, really. But people write in to people in papers, in newspapers and on websites, and they're called Agony Aunts. And basically... Um, the so-called agony aunt will get back to that person and um, obviously they get printed on websites and within newspapers and what we do over here is we go searching for these stories and we I say we it's literally just me there's nobody else here just me and about 100 axolotls if you want to count them as well but yeah it's literally we just answer them like they wrote to us and we have a bit of fun with it Um, it never goes quite so well but we'll go with it anyway so The first one is, deep breath, Um, first headline reads, Dear Debbie Downer, we call it Debbie Downer by the way, because we can't call it what it's really called, for copyright reasons, so Dear Debbie Downer, um, my fiancé always said she wanted to be a mum, yet she treats my son terribly. Guess what's coming next? That's right, their ages. She is 32 and I'm 35. We have been together for four years and have a daughter who is two. My son is eight, but was four when I first met my fiancé. She she made such an effort, buying little gifts, spending time with him, but now she is so short-tempered with him and mean in comparison to how she treats our daughter. Oh, a bit of that going on. Uh, My fiancé and I, I don't know why I keep doing that for fiancé, but I'm doing it anyway. (laughs) My fiancé and I met in a bar, and within a few dates, I was head over heels. Wearing heels now, look, he's admitting it. Wearing his heels. Uh, She was sexy and very confident, but what really drew me to her was how much she wanted to be a mum. By the third date, she had shared with me the baby name she decided on as a teen that gave it plenty of thought then i thought that was great my son from a previous marriage lived with his mother in the week and spent every weekend with me when my fiance and i had a daughter of our own it seemed perfect a little sister for my big boy 
trying to read this sensibly without laughing. But the way she treats my son has changed. She yells at him constantly, puts down his efforts, and even criticizes his appearance. Jesus Christ, how old is he eight, did you say? What's that all about? And she is always moaning about him to me, saying his behavior is awful or that my ex is has spoiled him. Wow. Don't get me wrong, he is not perfect and is prone to be prone to throw a tantrum or two. But he has a warm heart and loves his little sister dearly. This treatment is starting to get to him, I can see it. He has told his mum he feels like he's in the way when he comes to our place and sometimes he refuses to visit us at all. That's kind of sad. I adore my fiancé, but I can't let her come between me and my boy. What can I do? Well, I'd personally... Well, I know I'm being a bit harsh here. I'll just, I'll just I'll tell her to bugger off and I'd leave. I'd leave. But no, you've got a kid together as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to suggest there. I know you've not actually written to me, my mate, but I'm going to answer it anyway. But that's a bit of a dreadful story, isn't it, people? Um, I've heard that. I've heard that myself, that it happens or can happen. It doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. That um, a little bit of favouritism comes in um for another child over the other it's kind of sad that the little boy's eight and the guy the woman's like kind of as an opinion i did get that right didn't i he's eight let me have a quick look let's scale back through i'm pretty sure do, 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 do. i can't remember i can't seem to find it without properly reading it again but i'm pretty sure uh my son is eight yes my son is eight but was four at the time so he's been in her life for quite a while he's been in her life half of his life i think it's a little bit wrong and pretty disgusting that she's treated him the way she is now obviously there's always two sides to every story um and obviously this is just one side of that story but to criticize the boy's appearance is a bit rotten i mean i remember when i very first met my my older brother's girlfriend at the time girlfriend and she was quite abrupt <laughs> shall we say she turned around and says oh he lied to me then and i was like sorry and she says oh your brother said you were fat and i was like oh nice yeah cheers for that and my brother swore blind he didn't say that he probably did i was a bit of a chunkster um but yeah that really stuck with me and then a little bit later on in the same um with the same woman she basically she criticized how i dressed i was going through just wearing a baggy t-shirt all the time and I was wearing a white t-shirt and she goes, how many people at your age walk around wearing a t-shirt like that? You need to grow up. And it's just little things like that kind of niggle away at you, don't they? And that's when I was in my early teens. So to have that when you're eight years old, kind of sad, really. You do definitely need to nip it in the bud. Um, I wouldn't let it slide at all. I wouldn't even wait and, and do it after, the, after it all happened. I would intervene as it happened. So let's say you were there. And she started criticising, oh, look at the state of your trousers or something like that. I would jump straight in and defend, not like aggressively, like, oi, you want to fucking fight about it, mate? Nothing like that. But I'd definitely step in and show the boy that, no, that isn't right. And no, you can't talk to him like that. So wind your neck in, Sonny Jim. But yeah, it's pretty horrible. And I'm hoping you come to some sort of resolve. Uh, moving on to the next story. Um, I'm pregnant, not me. This is the story. I'm pregnant, but my boyfriend won't stop cheating. Am I better off? Better off what? That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, dear Debbie Downer, I can't imagine my life without my boyfriend, 
But if he won't stop cheating, I might have to get used to that idea. You may very well. Uh, we've been together since we were 17. I fell pregnant a year in, but miscarried three months later, and we broke up shortly afterwards due to the stress. Uh, we got back together a few weeks later. He is now 25, and I'm 26. Uh, last month, however, I got a message on social media from a girl that I didn't recognise. She claimed that they had been dating, and that they had been dating since that first split, and had screenshots to prove it. She was telling me now, after my name popped up on his phone, before then she didn't know I even existed. To make things worse, I have discovered I am pregnant again. I should be celebrating, but I can't help but feel like I'm tied to a guy I might be very well better off without. Um, what can I do? Yes, get rid of him. He sounds like an absolute knob. Not worth the aggro. Not worth the um, time and efforts. And most certainly not worth the heartache later on down the line. If he's that much of a scumbag that he's willing to do that while kind of making a go of a new relationship with you and there's now a baby involved, he isn't worth the energy, love. It really isn't. I'd get rid of him um, and swiftly move on with your life, much like I'm going to do with this story. <laughs> right, the last agony aunt for this week. This is going to be a good one. Oh, here we go. Bit saucy, this one. You ready? Buckle in, people. Uh, dear Debbie Downer, this is not a confession, if you've just tuned in, but my penis is too big, and it's no joke. I'm a 27-year-old man, and it's a huge fucking problem. I added the fucking bit in there, because that was a ridiculous little bit of a, a joke to add in there from him. It's not a joke, and then he does a joke. It's no joke, but it's a huge problem. <sighs> Jesus. <sighs> Christmas cracker jokes. Anyway, people always claim that bigger is better, but I'm so well endowed. I need to read this like I'm Johnny Bravo, don't I? Obviously, I'm not very good at doing an impression of Johnny Bravo, but I'm going to do like a smug guy that, huh, aren't I good? <laughs> people always claim that bigger is better. But I'm so well endowed that every time I have sex with my girlfriend, who is 25, by the way, important information, it hurts her. And the pain carries on for hours afterwards. What on earth shall I do? <laughs> what an absolute wally. I can't help but read that in a smug lardy dar sort of way. What an absolute prat. <laughs> I love the way he chucks that in as well. Um, <laughs> that bit there, look, where is it? Um, <laughs> Chuck's the aging, very important. The pain carries on for hours afterwards. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure the earaches, that probably carries on for hours afterwards. I bet you never stop walking talking. Um, she tries to pretend she's okay, but I can tell from her face she's not enjoying it and just doing it to please me. Um, she says this hasn't happened to her with any other partner. Um, she is starting to avoid sex and I'm worried that we'll, this will ruin our relationship. I love her, but I don't want to hurt her with my ginormous cock. Otherwise, our relationship's perfect. What can I do? I'm gonna, do you know what? I'm going to see what the agony aunt said here. I wonder if she slaps him back into place. Uh, so, in this case, the agony aunt says, A woman's vagina can usually expand to accommodate a large penis. But the problem may be that your girlfriend is not fully sexually aroused before sex. Yes! Boom! Take shots! 
<laughs> you big cock whopper. Nothing to do with the size of your woodpecker. It's the fact you're not doing any foreplay. You're not preheating the oven, are you? That's your problem. Her anxiety about the pain won't help either. I would suggest maybe try more foreplay. That's it. Fuck you, big willy man. Fuck you. Nothing to do with the size of your chopper. <laughs> that's brilliant. I just I can't help but read the article in such a smarmy ass way. But yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, I was going to tell... No, I'm not going to tell. No, I'm not going to do that because it's far too personal. But um, no, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at what the agony aunt said there. Bit more foreplay. A little bit of the, um, what was the, what, what was it called again? Is that the one be classed as foreplay, would it? What did I find out on the last podcast? B, what the fuck was it? BS, um, no, B, B, fucking hell. BDSM, boom, bit of that. That's what it's all about. Get out the spiky wikis, um, the ball, the ball gags, what else was the involved in it? The latex, the old whoopah, get someone out on the go. Preheat that oven well and good. And your woolly woodpecker, woolly, <laughs> woody woodpecker, will most certainly have a place to nest. <laughs> hmm. Well, that was an interesting way to end the podcast, wasn't it? Anyway, so that's it. That's this week's podcast pretty much in the bag. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I, I always have good fun with the podcast. Always do. I hope you've enjoyed it too. Um, like I said, next week I'm going to be working on my first YouTube video that isn't going to be a live, it's going to be an actual video. Um, I'm looking forward to it, I'm looking forward to getting back into it, I really am, I've missed it so, so much. It really has been hard um, to kind of like go through the weeks, if not, well it has been months, without doing anything like significant on YouTube. I've genuinely missed doing it. So I'm looking forward to getting back in the swing of that. So, um, yeah, I hope you're over there to watch the video. I will probably premiere it as and when it is ready. But thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope you're all doing great. And I will see you all next week, if not therefore after. So love to you all and toodly do for now. And watch what you're doing with that ginormous cock. <laughs> <laughs>